everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this stunning Sunday here in springtime Washington, D.C. The cherry blossoms are out. They're not really out. They're all up in my nose and sinuses. That's where they're living today. We have a great show today. We have kind of an anniversary birthday celebration. Uh, Chef Kaz Okochi is the man at Kaz Sushi Bistro, and they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this Yay! year. Yay! Such a feat in Yay. the restaurant industry. I want to say the sushi's fresh. The sushi is not from 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and along with everything else, Chef Kaz is the first one to, you know, he's an expert in preparing blowfish so it won't kill you. And Right? Am I right? And you're the first one to serve it here in D.C., right? Correct. Okay. Well, I'm going to have some. Okay. Can we introduce the rest of the guests? Yes. Thank you. Chef's Feed is um, an amazing event that travels all over the country. No. Well, they have events all over the country. I know, but it's not Chef's Feed. It's Chef's Feed Indies Week. Oh, she- okay. Sorry. Chef's Feed Indies Week. Right. Indie Week. Okay. Indie. Come on. All okay. right. Anyways. Uh, and what they do is they get 24 all-star chefs together. It's really a national dinner series, and they bring top chefs in, and they serve meals over a series of days, and they also serve as kind of a... A networking thing for the chefs themselves, and it's really an amazing opportunity cool. for them to to get mm-hmm. together. And Grover Smith and Zachary Malloy are in, yeah, and we're going to be giving away two tickets, right? It's Ooh. basically a sellout, but we got two tickets. Look at that a little Twitter thing. Okay, uh, Tupa Sapanli, I'm sorry, is co-owner of Mediterra Seafood and Fish Market, and we're going to be hearing from her. It's a really interesting concept that they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and Titan New Year is coming. I think it's April 12th to the 17th. Is that the celebration? You keep going away from oh, the I'm, mic. Am I right? 13th well, and 14th. It's in there somewhere, right. And uh, Jalisa uh, Fitz is in. She's one of the co-owners of Thai Chef. Uh, they serve Thai street food, uh, amazing Thai seafood, and we're going to hear from her. Oh, my God. What did Seriously, I say? You said seafood. Well, it's Sunday morning. You're like losing. I had a late night. Yeah. All over the place. And Caboose Brewery. See, now I'm going to be able to pronounce that. Right. Yeah. They're in. Ryan Gaspard is the head of brewery operations, and Tim McLaughlin's one of the co-founders. And they're in with uh, Taste and Talk of Caboose and Caboose Tavern and all of the new stuff happening there. Uh, first, we're going to go to Debbie Moser at Central mm-hmm. Farm Marcus. Are you there, Deb? I am here. You How are, are you? here. What? So congratulations. You got a new market. We do, we do. We opened Nova Central Farm Market this morning on Leesburg Pike, and the crowds have been astonishing, and we're so pleased to be part of the community. And um, I thought I'd tell the listeners today about a couple of our vendors that we have at this market and at Bethesda. So um, we have at this market at Nova, King Mushrooms, and David King, I don't know if you know this, because a lot of people don't know what goes on behind the booth. But David King started growing mushrooms in college. Now, some college kids are into other things. I was going to say, for I mean, mushrooms. lots of college kids like mushrooms. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, is that a, is that he, a psilocybin uh, joke? Yes, it's yeah, a okay. psilocybin joke. <laughs> right. But, but, but David actually started growing things when he was 14. He started gardening. And he really loved growing things, so he continued through college. When he got out of college, he decided that growing mushrooms was really a good idea. And he started his business, and he has some of the most wonderful, diverse mushrooms 
Um, he has a lion's mane mushroom. Have you ever had one of those? No, but it sounds it's, fabulous. It's, it looks, well, it's called a lion's mane. It's big. It's white. It's a little furry looking, and it tastes like lobster. Okay. And it is so Ooh. good. You just slice them and you saute them. It's a little really furry? Good. It's, a, what's, is it's t- a little furry. You know, it's a little fuzzy mushroom. Okay. Um, and it's white. It looks like a lion's mane almost. Cool. That's why they call it that. Well, why don't you send yeah. some over with Uber and, Eats? Um, I'm, I'm telling you, you've got to come out to the market. And he does, in the winter, they do an awesome Hungarian um, soup with their mushrooms that is just amazing. Fabulous. So he's doing that. He started for the kids and for parents, your Grow Your Own Mushroom Kits. So this year you'll be able to start growing mushrooms. Who knows? Maybe you'll have a stand at the farmer's market. And <laughs> then maybe. The we, we could do that now but, with what's right. growing in our front yard, but I don't think they're edible. There you go. There don't you eat go. them. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Uh, at Bethesda, we have Christine Illich. And Christine started, she has heirloom kitchens and she makes soups. She started as a chef in New York City. And she moved to Virginia and decided she wanted to grow things. She put in a big garden. And soups were going to be her thing to to do. And she does amazing. She works with all the farmers at the market. She gets all the produce fresh. She has hot soups in the winter. You can take home these luscious soups in the summer. And we're moving into that area. She'll start to have tomato and basil, watermelon soups. And the coolest thing about Christine this year, she has switched over to all eco-friendly packaging. So you can take it home. And you can throw it in your freezer. You can eat it for dinner, and it's all eco. And we're just so delighted to have her. Her soup. Are you are seeing? Amazing. Are you seeing more of that at the market? Are you seeing more people trying to be more waste free as far as packaging? Yes. That's yes. Great. And the Montgomery County just—they're uh, passing a law that you can't use styrofoam anymore. Good. So you'll see a lot of our vendors are very eco friendly. They're um, zero waste. Uh-huh. We also have the compost crew with us that, um, you know, talks to people about picking up their compost. So We're yeah, subscribers. We're trying, we're we love the compost crew. We're subscribers. Yeah, yeah. They're mm-hmm. great. Yeah, they're, they're great. great. So, All right, Deb, uh, tell everybody yeah. where they can find you, please. Okay, centralfarmmarkets.com. You'll uh-huh. find all four of our markets listed there. And sign up for our newsletter. You'll get to read more about these fabulous vendors each week. We're going to feature two, so... Go on, and you'll see where we are and what we're doing. All right, Excellent. Thanks, thanks Deb. Deb. Thank you so much. All and right. it is right. totally thank market season, Have so everybody should get out there and enjoy yeah. all the fabulous produce that's starting to be available at all the area so farmers let's markets. Remind everybody, we're on Facebook Live. Go to Nikki Nellis, N Y C C I Nellis, and you can. Well, thanks you to can... today's associate, Edra Williams, who oh, is Adra, handling it for right. us. All right, so Tim and Ryan, let's talk a little caboose. Pony up to the mic there. How's it going? Uh, how is it going? It's, it appears to be going badly because I can't get my tongue behind you know my teeth here when I'm talking. But uh, talk a little about caboose, uh, the the concept. background. Well, the sure. concept and why caboose. Well, it's possible maybe you had some caboose last night. It is not impossible that, that I did. Um, so yeah, caboose uh, started is is a passion project really uh, designed around uh, the bike trail in Virginia. So there's a caboose right next to the bike trail, uh, and we're big beer and food fans, both myself, my wife, and the co-founders, and the intent was really to bring better food and drink to the Vienna area, um, because at the time, there really wasn't a whole lot going on in that area. Um, is that smash talking, or is it fact? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, well, a little bit of if both. You, if you know the area, well, you Well, not you only that, say, but radio's one way. You can say anything you want. Yeah, right? Nobody's going to fight that. you. That's right. <laughs> right. So what is it about Caboose that makes it different, better, preferable, 
etc. Sure. Uh, we try to do some things that are new and interesting well, but we also try to do the things that you're used to having uh, better. So there's you know things that some people might think are boring, like a Pilsner, uh, that we believe can be a very exciting I like beer. Pilsners. Uh, we I will. We love pilsners. We love lagers. We love things that people thought were, you know, controlled by Anheuser Busch, but they don't really have to be that way, and they can be tasty and and local and fresh. And how many how many beers are you guys brewing at a time? You got to be in front of the mic, dude. Yeah, we currently have uh, at our Commons location. We have fifteen on tap. At mm-hmm. our tavern location, we have thirteen. So okay, so we you have two. Why don't we tell people how many locations do you have? Yeah. Two locations, one in Vienna and one in Fairfax in Mosaic District. Okay. Which one's the tavern? Tavern's Vienna. That's the original one. Got it. Okay. And so you're brewing at both locations? One location over at Vienna. Okay. Technically, we, by law, we brew in two locations. Mm -hmm. Ryan's speaking to our unique process that we have, which is we actually haul a a halfway product, an intermediary product called Wart. Not very beautiful name, but (laughs) that's what it's called. Uh, It goes from one place to another in a tank. Uh, and it's essentially sugar water. It's, uh, you, you won't know what? see the same I else. woke up this morning and I said, I want to drink me some wort yeah, exactly. <laughs> this morning. So, All right. Well, what did you guys, what did you guys pour, pour first? first? Well, we have uh, Pilsner. It's uh, affectionately called Wasser. And if you know what Wasser means in German, it water. means- Water. Yes. And he does. <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice uh, pick well, me up. Well, let's see. coffin. Start with uh, Wasser. Yeah, we can go ahead and hand those oh, out. So hand All right, and, great. Um, well, we'll be back to you guys in just a little okay, bit. So a second. All right, great. All right. So, Chef- Cause. How are you? Congratulations on your anniversary. Thank you very much. That's a lot of sushi. That's a lot of knife strokes. You brought some beautiful sushi in today. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, how it all got started. Because, you you know, you, I mean, were you living in D.C.? Did you come to D.C. purposefully to do this? How did all of that happen? Oh, so that's back to 1988. So I came here um, to work, and uh, after 10 years, just started opening my restaurant. So I I mean, <laughs> you were in other sushi restaurants, right? I was on the Wisconsin Avenue. Oh, um, Sushi Co. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But so, but you were really part of a wave of Asian chefs who were introducing the states to sushi. You know, I mean, it was not, it wasn't the trend. You couldn't get it in grocery stores. It wasn't the mass trend that it is today. So, how did you go about when you, especially when you were opening up your Kaz Sushi Bistro? How did you go about? deciding how you wanted to serve things and how you wanted to engage with, you know, the D.C. palette and how it's grown, like, in the last 20 years. Because <laughs> okay. it's changed dramatically. It is, yeah, it did. And you have a way That's true. That's... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a tough question. But anyway, so um, the first I came here 30-plus years ago in 1988, there was every restaurant, at least in Washington, D.C., just serving Pretty much the same, uh, same fish, same dish, and same menu. Mm-hmm. So then I, I thought it was kind of boring, and uh, I was young and adventurous and everything. So I wanted to do something different. I always like to be different and unique. So I just wanted to start my own style of the, the dishes and the sushi. And mm-hmm. I have, uh, I had some not background, but um, at the culinary school in Japan, I was focusing on more like a French European cuisine. So I just kind of always those things is in my mind. And also when I came here, I started doing a lot of, a lot of events and things, fundraise events and things. I met mm-hmm. a lot of uh, chefs from 
in Europe, you know, the France, Italy, and American chefs. So we just kind of you're part well, really, but you're really part of the like original chefs club here <laughs> right. in DC, right? Like right. with Roberto and Jean Louis right. and Robert. I mean, sure. you guys were the rock stars, Michelle, the original rock stars. Well, right? We had a lot of fun, that's for sure. Well, yeah, I know. But let me ask you a question: How yes. is what you're doing? How how different is what you do now? Versus what you were doing then. The sourcing must be different. And what about technique and all of that? Well, availability. Right. I mean, we start getting a lot more fish from Japan uh, nowadays. It's relatively easier, still expensive. But also um, the people think, including Japanese people, or the people in Japan, the fresher is better. But also the, the, so the, the majority of a sushi restaurant in Japan, they just get the fish and slice it, just serve it. And that's been introduced in the United States too. But nowadays I'm kinda we kinda try to back to really original like a Tokyo style sushi, which is I brought the sushi today. Each every single piece of the sushi is treated or something done. Like for example, show right. us some of the pieces that are, are treated or I know right. or okay. done in some well, way. Shape or form. Well for instance the first one is Kimedai, which is like a snapper type of the fish with the big eyes and red and it's a really good fish, but this one is the uh, lightly cured, and also we make the broth with the its own bones, and uh, so we kind of lightly marinate in that broth. So just infant in, in mm. what was that, that word? Infant in, just to bring up more flavor, right? Its own to flavor, boost it. right? And uh, we just put the little uh, touch of just the uh, the lemon mm-hmm. and uh, the sea salt. So everything here, you don't have to put any soy sauce or anything. You can just just like it's you did. It's funny because it's not only beautiful. I mean, it's not only d- delicious, but everything is a, sort of a little art form. Right. Well, we do. So as I said, everything is just not, you know, cut the fish and slice it and make, make sushi. It's beyond that. It just every piece is done something. Okay, we have to take a quick break. When sure. we come back, we mm-hmm. want to talk about your sake program because it really is unlike anything in this city. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're eating sushi. We'll be back in a minute. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, talking to Chef Kaz. And uh, you've got a lot going on. Now, let's talk first about your uh, sake program, but there's some special events for the anniversary as well, right? Right. So sake, when um, again, uh, 25 years ago, um, we, all we had is kind of inexpensive and everybody drinking hot. So that was, I had to break because there's a lot of good stuff going on in Japan. So it just took me at least a year to, to bring some nice sakes, but then start growing. And now nowadays, every, almost any uh, the Japanese restaurant have a really good uh, premium sake. It's not How many like different kinds of different varieties do you have? Do we have? Yeah. Probably 25. Wow. It's not big because I select. Sounds and I just, big. Well, but I just pick the uh, different types of the sake. So we are not like, you know, like a, we don't have any huge wine list or anything because sake, in generally, it just doesn't age like wine. So mm-hmm. we don't want to keep overstock. So Which that, is a big misconception. I think people just assume that it ferments. That it does the same process. You, you mean know, the, that you want to age it, that you want to cellar it, all no, that kind of stuff. No, completely wrong. Right. And uh, the sake is, there's some sake breweries, they, um, intentionally age, but it's nothing like wine. So, mm-hmm. in general, the sake should be consumed um, consumed quickly. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to over uh, the stock the sake and keep it a long time. 
All right, we've got a couple seconds left. You have some great events planned. Right, Tell so we have a those. 20th anniversary coming uh, February 16th and 17th. And no, wait, not February. I'm sorry. That's okay. April. You did it too. Okay. I did. We've been drinking too much Sunday. Right, like Sunday morning. <laughs> Sunday morning, right. right. Uh, the April 16th and 17th, and uh, that's a special um, uh, the dinner. We do like the, um, the Kyoto-style kaiseki plus the uh, Tokyo-style sushi just mm-hmm. to you know, the best we can do. So the ticket is available from our website, uh, com. So I hope you are able to join us. Excellent. Thank you so much. I've been so exciting. And congratulations again. It's quite a feat in any city to have a restaurant for 20 years, but especially in the DC market. So thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. All right. See, Caboose boys, we're toasting with your beer. Right. Exactly. We appreciate that. So (laughs) how many different varieties of beer are you brewing? I mean, it, at any point, there's 14 types in the tanks. Uh, and I'm madly experimenting all the time. And we did uh, four different batches this week. Tuesday yeah. through just Friday. Just to see what. You both have to be up at the mic. You're making me crazy. We, we so like, get close. Close. I'm right. like we, you. We like, we, each like, other. We, we like each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so how did you guys hook up? Um, Which came first, the brewery or the brewer? The brewery and Ryan joined us more recently. So okay. we're from Seattle, right? Denver. Well, same thing. All around. Right. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere <laughs> on the side of the country. It's yeah. west. Right. Same yeah. thing right. out there. Okay. <laughs> um, and what was it about his brewing style that appealed to you? Uh, actually, it was his rigor that appealed to us. Is more than his brewing style. Uh, it caboose again. It's about doing things well and consistently. Mm-hmm. And so there's the experimentation side of brewing, which is you see everybody's throwing you know Fruit Loops and all kinds of stuff <laughs> into beer. Um, that sounds horrible. It probably is. I honestly won't taste it. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, it, it is a trend in the market. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we think that you know good beer needs to be made consistently as well, just like you know good sushi or any good food. Um, and so it's a it's a difficult process. We actually Brian Brian can talk about the makeup of our staff, but it's mostly scientists. And yeah, there's quite a few of us uh, that have a biochemistry background, microbiology background. So we are just mad scientists out there and. We do like to harken back to the classic styles of beer, but mm-hmm. we also like to experiment a little bit too, within reason. No yeah. fruit loops. No fruit loops. That probably won't be happening. What about Cheerios? Well, yeah. What are you well, going to pour sorta. next? And then we'll sure. talk about how you're coming up with the, the beers that you're serving. And then I'd like to talk a little bit about the restaurants as well. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be serving the Vienna Lager. It's mm-hmm. our first uh, beer that we canned back in January. So mm-hmm. it's. Near and dear to our hearts. It's a labor of love. It's going to be a little bit more uh, toasty than the last one that you had, is, which is more biscuity mm-hmm. and spicy, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, and lighter. Good. So this one has a little bit more uh, malt backbone to it. Yeah. Okay, and this, so. conveniently, the Pilsner paired well with sushi, so it that's did a great it. one. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. Excellent. All All right. Right. See yep. how that works? All right, so now I'm going to get it right. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Good luck. Chef's Feed Indie Week is a national dinner series which brings – uh, diners, foodies, and other diners, up Correct. close and personal with not just celebrity chefs from their own region or their own area, but from really all over the country, uh, and allows them to, you know, to, to try different things in different constructs, but also it allows the chefs to, to network, which is really a cool concept. And your segment's over. Okay. All right, Next. goodbye. So Grover, Grover Smith and Zachary Malloy are here. Tell us how this got started. Uh, started a few years ago, the goal being getting a lot of like-minded people together that tend to focus on not only the cutting board in front of them, but their restaurant and what's going on in their 
individual lives. And Can we back up a little bit, though? Course. Because for those in the food industry, we all know what Chef's Feet is. Yes. And this is related to Chef's Feet. So can we start there with what Chef's Feet is and then how this event grew out of that? So Chef's Feet, uh, likes, they basically refer themselves as an expert-powered media company uh, mm-hmm. in food, and we do activations as well, so like events. Um, so they get a lot of content from chefs, uh, their favorite restaurants, where you should eat, what to order. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, create a lot of video content about the first night of opening a restaurant, um, a lot of really interesting stuff. So if you're a foodie or gourmand and you're into that kind of stuff, you get a lot of insider information. And so the event is kind of a real-life extension of that. Um, it's very interactive for the guests. We mic up the chefs. So it's like CNN for chefs. <laughs> Basically, we mic them up. We walk them around the dining room so that you know they get to talk to all the guests as it comes out. Um, so it's kind of like we say it's like peeking behind the curtain of Oz. You get to see the machinations. All the plating is done right in front of the chefs. Uh, the dinner we have this week, or the dinners we've had this week, have been at American Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and with so, Tim Ma. Yeah, with Tim Ma. He's our host chef. He's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually set up the cocktail bar for plating, so we alternate plating spaces. Uh, it's a collaborative effort among the chefs each night to help mm-hmm. each other plate their dishes. So they get to sit right in front and watch it happen, see these people working together for the first time to really knock things out quickly. And then on the other side, we have tables set up on the other side of the restaurant, so those guests on the other side can watch the plating well, so, as well. But how does that work? Because, I mean, to quote a phrase like too many cooks in the kitchen i mean you have each night how many chefs are participating well so we have 24 chefs in total right roughly 12 from out of town 12 locals mm-hmm. uh the we way got it's an out of towner in yeah. exactly in zach malloy is here um right. so basically 12 chefs cook on thursday they do one course each uh the same thing happens on friday with the opposite group mm-hmm. uh, and then tonight right now there's a text thread going on my phone that the chefs are all over town sourcing product because they do their collaborative dinner tonight so uh, Zach over here is going to be cooking with Tomas uh, Skoronski of Apteka, which is a fantastic Polish restaurant in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It's actually vegan Polish food. Um, it's incredible. Uh, that makes all and the that's sense. My that partner. makes right. That yeah. makes well, all the sense. My family's Polish, and they're all vegans because they couldn't afford a lamb. Yeah. Well, he's he's actually he was born in Poland. Um, you know, I did an event there at Cure, which actually doesn't exist anymore. But it's Justin. We just, we just interviewed him. Justin Severino Justin is like show, yeah. one of my closest friends. I love him to death. He actually mailed me a gift last week, but. Um, we had Jeremy Fox at that event, and part of the event is that besides just the collaboration and the dinners themselves, it's really about the chefs getting to know each other and sharing best practices. So we had them go to Apteca, and it's the kind of restaurant that when you go there and eat, it's delicious. You leave, and 30 minutes later, when you're on the road, you're like, was that vegan? Like, you have no clue, and it's... It blew Jeremy's mind. It blew all of our minds, what they're able to do with that, you know, limited kind of Well, Zach, let's talk about you. You're not from this area. Let's talk about where you're cooking and what you're doing. So I'm from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I can tell by your accent. That's right. You can Mm -hmm. hear it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I didn't have to bring a translator because I say y'all a lot. And, you know, like when I go to New York. Some people in D.C. consider it the South. Y'all is a sailing term, I believe. Y'all is. uh, It (laughs) it might be. Um, You know, and uh, I, you know, grew up. I started eating at a very young age, right? Mm-hmm. And um, for me, how, like did I've, you really? I've defined. Oh my god! That's no, how no, I've made no, it. No. That's how I've made it as far as I have. you think that's the first time you right? dropped that line? You're on drugs. That's my grand. Yeah, that's it. my grandma's joke yeah. right there. So uh-huh. I brought that one with me. I bet you acted like a baby too. For, well, I still do. Um, and so uh, for me, uh, you know, I've kind of cataloged everything that I've done around around food. You know, mm-hmm. I've always just kind of related. Uh, I- anywhere that I've been, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with what with what I've eaten, and just in my time traveling, have just kind of been studying food this whole time. And but so, so you for have, me, you're in Atlanta. I am in Atlanta. Let's and, talk about your concept. And I am pushing uh, a new concept called Pulpit Suppers, and right. it's actually about uh, it's kind of a mini version of what we're doing at uh, with the Indie Chefs concept, where we're bringing twelve to eighteen people together, and we do an eight course meal, and everyone has. 
everything all at the same time. Right now, I have it tucked away in this kind of back room of a Civil War era factory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is it a it's a pop up. It effectively is kind of like a supper but how club, many right? Nights? Right. We're how doing two nights? two a week right now, and okay. we're about to go and do four a week. Like it's about to become a thing because cool. a brick and mortar. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sign a lease and everything. Congratulations. And for us, it's about the the story of bringing everybody together. Okay, mm-hmm. so when you're doing this event here, is there sort <clears throat> of a, a theme that you try to work around or when you're bringing all these different personalities together? Um, I mean, I think a, a lot of chefs play well in the sandbox these days. I mean, there's so much collapse going on, mm-hmm. but how do you how do you frame well, it with them? It's a referral-based system, basically. If you refer another chef to participate, they kind of have to be taught what the situation is, that it's mm-hmm. all about positivity, it's about collaboration, there's no egos allowed. Um, we joke. Oh, okay, wait a second. I mean, seriously, have you I'm met serious. these people? I'm serious. Like, <laughs> okay. It comes and I didn't see it. I mean, it tweeted out for does sure. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, okay. And there's yeah. there's very little uh, room for negotiation there. If there's a problem, people get asked to leave because mm-hmm. this is all about positivity. Um, there's two focuses. One is whatever community we're in is finding out uh, the story of the local culinary community and trying places maybe that don't get a lot of national PR that, that Tim has helped curate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second focus is getting all these folks together from different markets and to find advocates to you know lean on each other to share best practices it's very it's done very informally Mm -hmm. um you know yesterday we had a nice day we have a day off we call it saturday day off which is a kind of a joke because chefs never get saturdays off and (laughs) we went to the title basin which uh was very busy but uh, we went to the we went to the fdr memorial and sat down and we had like a nice hour-long conversation about health and wellness and talking about how do we you know, how do we make changes to the community? Well, you know, because it's a tough business. Mm-hmm. People don't take care of theirsel- themselves. I mean, the last restaurant I was in, I got down to 140 pounds before I quit because. Oh, my God, what a diet. <laughs> well, you just you Perfect. don't eat. You know, you stress out. You fo- The people that are good at this job, whether it be chef or front of house, I mean, you focus and obsess over the details. And it's such an obsession that you don't take care of yourself. And, you mm-hmm. you know, you you don't, you know, stay in touch with your family. It causes problems. There's a lot of mental health stuff. So we had a nice discussion about that. Um, and made sure that, you know, everyone is making sure to reach out and check on them and see how they're doing and, you know, that you can make sure you text your friends and your chef friends to see how is everything. And, um, well, but yeah. Let me ask Zach, because this is, it's almost like a retreat. A I, I retreat. always say it's like, like sleep away camp, right? So yeah. it's like sleep so away You tell scary like. stories is the question, but yep, do you, I mean, what happens. have you taken away from this? What have you come home? What will you come home with that's new or different? Or this is kind of like this. Well, I mean, for me, like, you know, tonight I've been paired with the, the vegan, the uh, vegan Polish and, and chef. we're doing a dessert, you know, based on mushrooms tonight. And the idea really more than anything else, it's like, it's like opening the curtains and, you know, like letting in a little fresh air and you just kind of get to breathe and interact with other people. Uh, and so I'm walking away with wanting to use more vegetables and trying to look at vegetables in a different way because I sat for an hour on the bus yesterday and we talked about like, well, how do we do a dessert? Mm-hmm. with vegetables and we wanted to do a vegetable that you don't see very often in a dessert and so that gives us just a, it's just a little bit of a different angle that we approach what we do That's well weird. before we have to wrap it up can you just tell us quickly what you brought sure so uh i have uh some turnips that we grilled uh in ham fat mm-hmm. and then we cooked uh the greens that sounds vegan-ish. It's like cooked the greens. <laughs> well yeah i had to sneak this one out behind tomas just so you didn't see it right where it's served uh with uh, some tender greens that were just cooked in coconut milk beautiful and then we have uh just for some texture yeah, on top this is kind of like uh like the mexican style wheat chicharrone that's been dusted in onion salt it's stunning so the idea is that we're trying to do something that's uh fancy pants with something that's very humble Right. Great. Okay, so thank you both for coming Thanks in today. Can you us. tell everybody about the dinner tonight just 
what's happening quickly? You like literally 20 seconds. Uh, we got 24 chefs. They're collaborating in pairs to do 12 courses. Um, it's a team effort. Uh, I think we're going to give away some tickets later. We got a couple of tickets that we okay, can give we'll away to the dinner. Okay, we'll try to give away some tickets. Yeah, awesome. so we have two tickets to tonight's dinner. Two tickets dinner. to tonight's dinner. It's totally sold out. Wine included. It's at American Sun. Um, and this is kind of the... And it's how many chefs? It's 24 chefs, 12 okay, courses. Okay, great. All right, we'll put something out about that in just Thank a little you. bit. Right. Thank okay. you so much for having us. David and Nikki Mellis with Foodie and the Beast. I'm having turnips and ham juice. Yes. <laughs> ham juice? Something like that. Okay. I'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, we, let's bring the Caboose Boys back up to the to the mic. So talk about this next beer that we tasted. So this is our flagship IPA. Uh, you can't talk about beer without mentioning IPA these days. There's a funny history around that. that no, I you'll be sent to beer hell. You know that, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. So this, this is a newer style of IPA. It's uh, much more compatible with people who don't like uh, traditional styles of IPA. It's not very bitter. In fact, I think, Ryan, it probably racks in pretty low on IBUs. Um, what's the IBU on this? This one is roughly around the 45. Oh, it's got um, a nice mm. aftertaste. Most yeah. Of the, nice. Yeah, it's, so most of the punch from the hops comes right at the end of the boil, so it's in the mm -hmm. whirlpool stage, which uh, you don't get as many of the volatiles from the hops. You just get more of the aromatics. Yeah. And so so you, you should, one of those kids in high school who's always – Skipping school and sitting in the back of your car drinking beer. I mean, uh, how did this I grew up happen? in Wisconsin, so yeah. uh, that's kind of what you do. That's near yeah. Seattle, too. That's why I got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, no, mean, but how did you get into brewing beer? I mean, it's one thing to drink it. It's another thing to start making absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I my major is in biochemistry, but I kind of took a roundabout way to get back to it. Mm -hmm. So I uh, was a wilderness survival instructor for 14 years, and no eventually kidding. I was like, I wish someone in college like shook me and said, you should use biochemistry for brewing. And mm -hmm. so... Uh, three years ago, I decided to put a hold on what I was doing before and take up uh, the biochemistry aspect and meld it with the beer. And so I've, I've been dabbling with home brewing for going on 10 years. And so I thought, why not make a career out of it? And so well, Pretty and cool background. Tim, let me ask you. I mean, Caboose Brewing is how old? Uh, we opened our doors in 15. Okay. Cinco de Mayo. So you sort of like came in sort of at the height of craft brewing Correct. nationally, right? Correct. Because you have, you know, especially in the D.C. market. I mean, there's it's, it's a beer every city, day, actually. right? Like yeah. every day there's somebody new opening up doing yep. something really fabulous. So what did you feel you were you were bringing that was different? Um, cons again, in craft, mm -hmm. consistent quality is actually not very good, unfortunately. There's a lot of craft breweries uh -oh, that I, I think kind of hurt craft brewing. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there's big beer, which isn't helping it necessarily either. But I, I just feel like there was a lot of room for high-quality innovation um, and good-quality beers. A lot of, like, all, all restaurants, locations is still the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Putting it in a place where there isn't good food or drink. Um, but the idea was mm -hmm. to actually have good product on top of that is something that we were aspiring to do that not all breweries, unfortunately, do. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to sip. We're going to get back. You know, we're going to be talking we'll to you more you, at the And then we'll get the, the restaurant. Yes. Okay. So, Tuba Sapanla is the co-owner of Mediter Med Fish. Mediterra Fish, and yes. I'm saying it right. Okay, yes. good. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a it's a seafood restaurant and it's a seafood market as it's well. It's a seafood market and a seafood restaurant, correct? Yes. Which Tell is, us about it. where, yeah, where did the idea us, yeah, come where from? Yeah, where did your idea come from? <laughs> well, um, as far as I know, it's not a common concept. The only one other one I know is black salt. <laughs> yeah, right? black salt. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's also um, the fishwife in uh, Union Market. That's right. But, I mean, that's. that's right. But you can count. You can count. That's right. And where we are. Now, you're from Turkey. Did, I I mean, did you bring the idea from there or have you Pretty been? Pretty much, yes. It's very common um, in Europe. 
that you actually go to a fish market and they cook your fish right there and then. It's not as fancy as how ours is, but we we like the concept and we wanted to bring that here. Uh, we started out as a fish market at the Mosaic District uh, about five years, but we just couldn't get away from cooking. We had to cook the seafood. <laughs> all our customers. Was it because seafood. people were intimidated by cooking? I think Definitely. a lot. I feel that people find seafood to be scary for some reason. That they're they're afraid they're gonna overcook it, or they don't understand the fish, or you know, it's it's a for whatever reason in America, fish is an intimidating dish to cook. That is so true. We have been, we have started as um, giving out recipes and mm-hmm. telling them tips, like how much to cook salmon, like how do you not ruin the whole fish and that kind of stuff. I believe we have actually taught a lot of people cooking whole fish, especially with the bronzino. Which is, well, what's so interesting is that if you go to Europe, right, or other cultures, whole fish I mean, everybody does it, right? Because yeah. it's so easy. If you do a fillet, they they will say, "Well, are you hiding something? Yeah. I want to see the eyes." Right? Like, they want to see the whole fish. The fresh, yes. Exactly. Exactly. I want to so. look into those dead eyes and see. So, <laughs> um, tell me how you're. First of all, tell me how you're sourcing your fish because I think that's another concern from people. You know, there's all these like sustainability and you know the MS uh, MSC yes. and uh, Monterey Bay and like. It's overwhelming knowing whether your fish is well-fished and, you know, whether whatever you're getting is really sustainable. When people get confused, Mm -hmm. the easiest thing is to do to do is avoid it. So people are like, okay, this is too complicated. I just won't cook it. I'll just go back to my regular. But this is where we come in. We want to educate people. We want to be their partner in healthy living, which is our you know, slogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want people to come in and not worry about ingredients and the, you know, um, they, I want them to be able to trust um, because we do all the work for them. I actually go uh, take certifications. I go on the courses. We go to Boston Seafood Show. We mm-hmm. learn all the good stuff about it so they don't have to. But the internet, I would say, is is very bad. If you read the internet, you wouldn't eat seafood. It's all very bad and not reliable information. Mm-hmm. So that's why we want to actually educate people. When they come in, we can tell them what it is. So do you work with, is it specifically working with your vendors like a pro fish? Or is it knowing the 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 fish the fishermen or the, you know, the oystermen or whoever it is you're working with? Like, are you are you working on both relationships? Yes, we do have a lot of um, good sources. Uh, we we require um, certifications. We require a lot of things from them. Um, my husband, who's um, the co-owner, uh, he's very he definitely knows what he's doing, and he's brutal with the vendors. So, <laughs> so if it's not so, good, we got the nice person. Right. In, so we have the yes. Nice exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's it's good for the business. Well, but you know, with FedEx now, I mean, people are shipping stuff all over the world next day. Are, is is all of your fish sourced essentially? Domestically, or do you have stuff? No, flown we in do on import ice? a lot. So the salmon um, that we source is a Norwegian, and we obviously Mediterranean fish has a lot of Mediterranean um, fish, and we bring in from Turkey, Greece. Um, so a lot of sources are directly from there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we like sourcing it where the origin is. So yes, and let's do. talk about the restaurant concept. So yes. that became secondary. Yes. And so what did you decide you wanted to feature as far as food 
And is it is it also, I know you have meal kits, right? Yes. So yes. tell us a little bit about all that. So two things. We have the, the restaurant has a lot of, the, the whole menu is mm-hmm. based on very healthy concept. The same thing. I don't want people to worry about the ingredients. They come in, they order, they feel good about what they're eating. I brought in some of our best sellers. I have salmon burgers here. The Bronzini Delish has been the um, the most popular. Mm-hmm. Um, what so is with what's um, this in, one? Yes. This is our special sauce that we it just like started Harissa. serving. What is it? Um, it's uh, the Muhammara, but okay. it's in a different way. Right, right, yeah. right. But we start ser- we started serving it with fish, and it's been very popular. We just uh, tweaked our menu recently so it's mm-hmm. pretty good it goes with a lot of things and I've added actually four sauces to the restaurant menu right now so so you can come in and you have these meal kits you can kind of put your own thing together and take that home or it's food it's dinner to go so right? restaurant side you come in you eat just like any other restaurant right the meal kits are on our online store where mm-hmm. you can order oh. it anywhere in the states we ship we started shipping our fresh seafood a while back anyways and then we added the meal kits to the mix. And now um, those are the kits that you can just a la carte choose and mm-hmm. order online and get it shipped. And it's actually shipped um, locally free. So Oh, that's amazing. Um, and how did you do the packaging for that? Because I would assume that was really, that's your hardest part with the meal kits, right? Yep. That, took, that was a two years of my testing, personal right? time testing it yes i actually sent it to all my relatives friends all over the states I, I had them take pictures how to do it and i actually sourced a lot of the things and you know i ordered every meal kit in the <laughs> right so just to see where it is yeah that was a lot of work but i think we've got it down to the t now well Excellent. make sure everybody knows how to Please. find you online and on the and phone everybody and... in studio better dig into some of those yeah, salmon burgers yes they look have delicious. a lot of food here yes definitely. so how do we they find can... you online MediterraFish.com. Just go in there. We're there. All the information is there. Um, and we don't just have seafood. We have a lot of vegetarian stuff. We have chicken. We have steak. We have a lot of things. So okay. there's no reason for you to not. And land address. 2727 Marilee Drive in Halstead Square in Fairfax, Virginia. Great. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so for coming much. in. Thank you food for bringing all this beautiful Thank food. You. Speaking of beautiful food, Jalissa mm-hmm. Fitz, are, is it fair to call you one of the owners? Yes. All okay. right. Is one of the owners, along with her mom, I guess, of Thai Chef. Um, the Thai New Year is coming up. I I had the I bracketed the dates right, but it's what did you say? The thirteenth and fourteenth. Thirteenth and fourteenth. Right. Okay. And uh, you guys specialize in in Bangkok in street food. Bangkok street food. For the uninitiated, what does Bangkok street food mean? So, um, pretty much. Pretty much everything is street food because in mm-hmm. Bangkok we don't usually have restaurants like like the the states. Mm-hmm. People just cook alongside the streets, right? And, and eat there, pay there, eat there, pretty mm-hmm. much. And so, how did you decide based on that kind of street Ugh. food, the kind of food that you wanted to serve? It's pretty much what I grew up with. Okay, I was born and raised in Bangkok for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, I I grew up eating Bangkok street food for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And but so but at Thai at your restaurant. Let's talk about the kinds of dishes. I mean, for people who haven't been to Bangkok, they don't know what that means. Right. So what do we got? Let's what just if, go to Bangkok. Well, we could do a field <laughs> trip, which I'm all for. But in the interim, let's talk about what Thai street food looks like. So usually every restaurant has pad thai or the classic dishes, pad thai, curries, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you're your Green papaya familiar salad. With. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. But we do have we do have a separate section of 
of Bangkok street food that mm-hmm. that is not the usual dishes you see at other Thai restaurants. Okay, like the Muping right here. Yes, is pork skewers. Mm-hmm. I used to eat it on the way to beautiful. school every day. That's like your breakfast. Yeah, I love That's that. That's what I'm going to do. Right. I'm going to re-enroll. Right. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And then what about these beautiful little dumplings? Oh, this is a part of the Thai New Year thing. Okay. This is called Tung Tong, means um, golden bags or money bags, mm-hmm. because whatever you eat on Thai New Year matters. Right. And Everything has a symbol. Yes, that okay. symbolizes so wealth. So going to make me rich? Is that what you're telling me? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Good. <laughs> Excellent. So what's Wait, I'm them? sorry. She hasn't picked one matching lottery number in the last five no, it's tries. True. <laughs> it's true. Not one. That's all very true. Um, uh, what's in them? It's uh, spiced ground chicken mm-hmm. wrapped in wonton skin. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're so cute. By the way, I know it's not Thai beer, but the caboose beer goes great with this. Yeah, well, I would imagine... <laughs> Beer is a great uh, compliment. Their beer is good. You know, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the New Year and some of the specialty dishes that you serve specifically for the New Year. Sure. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. I'm rich. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We are Mm -hmm. chowing down on great Bangkok street food Mm -hmm. and... And Mediterra's seafood. And oh, and I was just told beer. Um, about Mediterra that if for people who are looking for franchise opportunities, they are doing an offering. So Operators are on duty now, right, exactly. I say. Okay, so, so let's talk about Sankran, which is the Thai New Year's national holiday. Mm-hmm. There's special stuff that goes on there, and I assume at the restaurant as well. Yes, it is. So uh, tell us about how you guys are rolling out celebrating uh, the New Year. So we're doing brunch and also night market. Mm-hmm. The brunch includes bottomless mimosa mm-hmm. and noodles. That doesn't sound very Thai. <laughs> <laughs> but we make it with mango and lychee, so okay. that's more Thai. That is definitely more Thai. Okay. <laughs> and other than the dumplings, what are some of the other specialty dishes that you eat on the Thai New Year to sort of bring health, wealth, happiness, and success it's, to you? Uh, noodles, of course, mm-hmm. symbolizes long life. Mm-hmm. So you start your new year right. Right. And what is, but it's not pad thai noodles, right? It's, it's a specific noodle dish. It could be pad thai. Any okay. any noodle dish would symbolize its long life. Okay, so noodles are long. Okay, so that takes care of the noodles, um, which we have here. Yes, yes. obviously. Okay, beautiful. And then uh, what else? What are some other things that people will be able to see on the menu? And um, dessert. We brought we brought you um, tang muan, which means roll up goals. Mm-hmm. Also symbolizes wealth. Okay. That's oh, one of the so desserts pretty. that we're going to be serving at brunch. Okay. So you'll be celebrating the holiday at brunch. And then will there be other dishes on the menu regularly? Um, or is it just a brunch? You're just celebrating the holiday at brunch. Brunch and also night market. The we're night market. Gonna, so what's happening at the night market? We're replicating Bangkok night market in our restaurant. Cool. We're having that a little trinkets that I got from Thailand last last trip I went. Mm-hmm. And then there's also fried whole snappers. Mm-hmm. It's a Thai New Year specialty dish. Okay. Um, and also mm-hmm. our um, mixologist, mm-hmm. um, my good friend Andy T from Mayuri, Baltimore, mm-hmm. and a DJ, okay. Frankie oh, so J. It's going to be like a real party. Yeah. Okay, and what night is that? That is 13th. The 13th. Saturday the 13th. Saturday the 13th. So next DJ, Saturday. I'm going to come out and do the funky chicken. No, he is not. <laughs> no, he's not. I, I promise. He will not. <laughs> I promise I might. Okay. <laughs> I just might. But, um, but the restaurant, other than just the holiday, what would you say? I mean, you offer a lot of different opportunities for people to try Thai cuisine. Mm-hmm. What are some of the specialties on the menu that you think? What are some think? of the things that we haven't really heard of? Okay. I mean, uh, pad thai. Really? You, know. you were interested. Yeah. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So Muping, of course, this one right here. And then um, we have Catfish Pad Pet, which mm-hmm. is catfish stir-fried with a whole bunch of Thai herbs like peppercorn, like coriander seeds, mm. rhizomes. Is It's spicy and... It sounds delicious. Herpy, yeah. Is it hard? Do um, Americans not want to try catfish? I feel like there's a little bit of so. out there about catfish, right? I mean, I like it, but I feel like catfish, bluefish, like well, some I of think these farm, fishes, like farm people... catfish is different than catfish out of the canal in Georgetown. So, okay, I mean, well, yes, that's true. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, also, um, catfish is big here in the. It's big in the south. Yeah. 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 And also, we have common guy, which is um, herb studded jasmine rice mm-hmm. served with seasoned steamed chicken and then ginger garlic sauce on the side. Yum! That dish is is really really good. Sounds Great. really good. All right, so can you <laughs> please tell everybody where they can find you? We're located in Dupont Circle. Okay. Um, where in Dupont? North exit from the metro. 1712 Connecticut Avenue. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Adra. Thank you, PR person Yay, in the background. Adra. Whispering okay. PR. So you're right on Connecticut. Yes. Above circle, below circle. Uh, above. Above circle. Okay, great. What a great um, location. Yeah, the brunch sounds like fun. Yeah, that does sound like fun. And just tell everybody again that, that Thai New Year is next weekend. Next weekend on 13th and 14th. Brunch mm-hmm. tickets on sale on eventbrite.com. Okay, and then you have the market. And the market at night. Okay, and that you can just walk into. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming All in. Right. Caboose boys. Okay, so what we haven't talked about is the fact that not only do you have two a brewery and a brewery-ish. And a, and a half brewery. But you yes, also yes. these are also restaurants. Yes, they are. So what kind of cuisine is going on at these places? Uh, so we're complicated, of course. Um, my wife, who's a co-founder, is uh, a nutritionist. Her name is Jen. Yeah, her, Jen. Yes. Thank you. In case you She forgot. would have told me that if she was here. <laughs> right. So, exactly. Um, but yeah, she's a nutritionist, and she actually used to run a lot of farmers markets around Virginia. Mm-hmm. And as a result, she knew a lot of the farmers. And we tried to with Caboose uh, Tavern, the first one. We really tried to source all the ingredients exclusively locally, which is not trivial. It turns out, if you no, it's really to make, hard to do. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. so that was interesting. Uh, we learned a lot about the market. We learned kind of what people like, what they don't like, uh, and where they're willing to compromise for local. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Like, but, how tied to it were you? I mean, did you take a page out of Spike Gertie's book and were you like, pretty, I'm not going to have lemons? Or Pretty damn tied. Okay. Um, it was a constant battle, actually, mm-hmm. with the chef trying to – we had some great chefs who came in and tried to adapt to do local but couldn't always quite pull it off. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Um, and now we're – And where are they buried? Um, <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, not on our property. But uh, so the uh, – then with Caboose uh, Commons, the second one, much larger location, we dispensed with that you know, very strict uh, rule and essentially said, well, we're going to source quality ingredients. And mm-hmm. so, it's, for example, it's grass-fed beef and all the kind of stuff that we would still consider required. Um, but then we will bring in ingredients like, for example, avocados, which are very not local. Right. Uh, and and people available. really want them. And people well, really want them. Let yeah. me ask you a question. Farm to table, I get, but you say it's Appalachian style. What does that mean? Uh, I think that's a reference to our chef, uh, David, who comes from Appalachia and is a big hunter and loves to take things that he can from the local region. Um, and I think he he would have his own definition. Um, so I don't know that I would want to put it uh, in his in his words, but he would say it'd be sourced from the Shenandoah Appalachian region in terms of ingredients and, and style of cooking. So it is kind of home cooking of a sort in the first one. 
Got it. All right. So Another, what are some of the things that we could find on the menu? Uh, well, on that one, we've start, we started with things like rabbit, and which uh, was interesting in Vienna. It wasn't necessarily uh, well-received. Rabbit is divisive. Yeah, it was. I mean, I like it, but, you know, I've heard lots of— Well, you know what Elmer Fudd said? No, please kill don't. rabbit. Okay. So. But we, we agree. But, you know, they, they, taste, they taste good. But um, that wasn't necessarily the most popular dish. I'd say the popular stuff are, are more banal things like burgers, which are great and mm-hmm. grass-fed and locally sourced. But, you know, it's not nearly as exciting as a rabbit gnocchi or something like mm-hmm. that where we made it all. Mm-hmm. Um, Commons is totally different. We do have things like avocado toast, which gets rave reviews. But it's unusual because we use uh, seaweed on it, so nori on the toast, cool. which mm-hmm. Some people love, and then probably 10% write in and say, why did you put nori on your your avocado toast? So, I mean, you can always take it off. <laughs> it's, yeah, right. kind of, sort of, yeah. The answer to that, of course, is because. Right. Yeah, right, because it's better, yeah, is yes. the answer, right? right? <laughs> okay, because that's All how right. we like it. Let's make sure everybody oh, – last question. Can your beers be bought over the counter or only at the two uh, locations? So, so you're canning yeah, them. You can talk about the packaging. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, April 18th, we're going to be canning the last beer that you just had, the Fog IPA. Which is delicious. Okay. So you'd be yeah, finding really that in lovely. Whole Foods, yeah. Total Wine. Great. Um, currently, we have the Vienna Lager at all those locations. Mm-hmm. So. so the Fog and the Lager, which are two best-selling beers, are in cans, and we'll continue that. We just started canning this year. And do you have a growler system? At- we do have a growler. We're actually about to roll out local delivery, um, mm-hmm. trying to test out and see if there's a market for local beer because – uh, you mean much like, like your milk, like the glass bottles of milk? <laughs> yeah, pretty you much. That's what we're going to try. This is Kensington, Maryland. Local. We're, right. we're going to give it a go. The thing is, is like sake, beer doesn't really age that well, uh, uh-huh. contrary to what a lot of people think. Like that IPA that we just had is really designed, it's optimal within the first month after production. You right, do not want to sit around. It right you know, now. Unfortunately, I have that in common with beer. I'm not aging that well. <laughs> no, uh, and Don't unfortunately, the show's over. Make sure everybody knows your locations. Let's Please. do that. Yes, sir. Uh, there are Mosaic uh, District in Fairfax. We're actually not quite in the center. We're, we're off to the side. You'll see a big metal structure. It says Caboose um, mm-hmm. right off of Lee Highway. Okay. And the one in Vienna is extremely well hidden. Uh, there's a Whole Foods on uh, 123 right in downtown Vienna. There's a road that kicks off of that called Mill Street and just drive to the end and then drive to the end and then drive to the end. And when you think you might be attacked, that's it's you're like, at the right it's location. Kind of like being a moonshiner, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, everything you heard about, I hope everybody had fun on the show today. It was a good Absolutely. show. Absolutely. It was a great show. Uh, check the list, are you on it.com. Follow. Nikki, on, well, don't check the list. Are you yeah. on it? dot com she right this hacked. minute? She I got, got hacked. hacked. Give it, give it two days. <laughs> give it a couple days. We're almost back. Home. But follow Nikki on WTOP Live every Thursday at twelve forty. Mm-hmm. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And next week's going to be a hoot. Because do you know why? I do know. Do you why. have any idea why? I do know why. why? So along with uh, among our other guests next week are the uh, uh, two owners of EMP 180, mm-hmm. which is a weight loss and health regimen that I happen to be on right and now. And really stuck to this morning. You did a really good job. I did. I only you had did. the meat. You did. I know. I only had. I, I only had the protein. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty strict diet, but I think it works. My underwear was looser this morning. (laughs) Okay, great. All right, the show's over. We want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you again to all of our guests. It was a delicious show. Please have an incredible week. 